our convictions are formed by what is constantly absorbed by our mind. So if we keep filling our minds with worldly stuff, guess what's going to happen? You're going to do worldly things. Imagine if we fill our minds and our hearts with God's Word on a regular basis. If it is on our hearts and minds constantly, guess what? Our convictions will be connected to this. You are listening to CCF Runthrough, timeless truths for today's life in just 30 minutes. If you want to hear more or know more about our ministry, please visit ccf.org.ph. Enjoy listening. If you don't want to compromise and don't want to give in to whatever pressures you're experiencing in this world, this is our message today. Be a change maker with a strong heart. Let's say that together. One, two, three, go. Be change maker with a strong heart. We need to have a strong heart because the reality is in this world, there will be a lot of pressures. And when I say strong heart, this is my definition of a strong heart. A strong heart is a heart that is devoted to God, meaning to say you're committed, meaning to say in spite of all the pressures that you're going to hear, you're going to see in this world, you're going to make a stand and say, no, I'm not going to compromise even though majority are doing it even though some Christians that you know are doing it, I'm not going to compromise. When you have a strong heart, it means you have conviction. And we're going to look at that in our character that we're going to discuss today. You have strong biblical conviction. When you have a strong heart, there you are considerate. And we're going to look at that also in the life of Daniel. And when you have a strong heart, you are courageous. There's courage. In spite of the pressures, there is courage. So if you want to be a change maker, continually become a change maker, then you and I should have a strong heart. Let's look at the background of the character that we're going to discuss today because we've read about him. His name is Daniel, and of course, the book is about him. So Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, let's read that together. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So here's the background. I know a lot of you maybe know this story already. But the background is the Israelites were conquered, the Jewish nation. Judah was conquered already by the Babylonian Empire. So when they were conquered, they got certain people in that kingdom, in the Israelites, to be part of the Babylonian Empire as their workforce or their slaves. Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, the emperor, told his general, the chief of his officials, Ashpenaz, bring some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family, and the nobles, I want them in my kingdom. I want them because they're smart. I want them because they have skills. I want to use them. That's what King Nebuchadnezzar does whenever he conquers a land. He goes to a certain land, conquers that, gets the best of the best. And look at verse 4, Daniel 1 verse 4. And he also was looking for this qualification. He's looking for youths in whom there was no impairment, no blemish, pogi in Tagalog, who were good-looking, suitable for instruction in every kind of expertise, endowed with understanding and discernment. In other words, hindi lang pogi, matalino pa. Okay? Good-looking and intelligent, not just intelligent, discerning knowledge who had the ability to serve in the king's court. He ordered Ashpenaz to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. In other words, he wants them to be conformed, to change their mindset, their belief system. The king was also allotted for them a daily ration from the king's choice food. 
Okay? The best of the best. It's from the king's choice food. There's wine that they are to drink and order that they be educated for three years. At the end of which, he's going to choose, the king is going to choose whom among them that he will get in, to be part of his personal service. Now, among them, here are the names of those people from Israel. Well, some of them, Daniel, that's our character, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Look at what the king did to make sure that they will conform to the principles of the Babylonian Empire. He changed their names. What are now their names? Their new names will become, for Daniel, what's the name? Belteshazzar. For Hananiah, Shadrach. For Mishael, Meshach. And for Azariah, what? Abednego. Now, these names are the names of their gods. Like Bel is the name of the God, one of the gods of the Babylonian Empire. And he's telling Daniel, you know, Daniel, you're a smart person. I want to change your name to Belteshazzar because he's our God, and I want you to follow our God. That's pressure. That's what's happening now to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So a strong heart, looks. what does it look like? First, it has conviction, strong conviction, conviction that is connected to God's Word. Because all of us, we have convictions. But my question is, is it connected to God's Word? Is it godly conviction? When I say conviction, conviction is godly convictions will help our heart resist the pressure to compromise. If you have that solid stand, no, I'm not going to do it. Kahit that there's so many pressures out there, you're not going to give in because you have a strong heart. You have solid conviction. What happened to Daniel? In verse 8, when the people, the General Ashpenaz and the other government officials were forcing them to eat the food, to change their name, to teach the culture. Of course, he cannot do anything with teaching the culture. He cannot do anything with the names that have been changed because they will be called that. They will be called Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But when it came for, uh, to the food, Daniel, in verse 8, made up his mind. In other words, in the Hebrew language, that's firmly established. I'm not going to be moved by what you're telling me to do. I'm not going to do it. He made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food. Pero Daniel, steak yan. Lechon yan. Why don't you want to eat it? Now, two possible reasons why Daniel made up his mind. First possible reason, it could be the type of food that Moses commanded them not to eat. Remember Leviticus, Numbers? Uh, in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, right? There are laws there. You can't eat this kind of food. You can't eat this, right? So maybe that was one of the reasons, possible reasons. But the most probable reason is this, that these types of food were offered to the gods of the Babylonian Empire. Maybe offered to Bel, offered, offered to Shadrach, to, the God, to Meshach, Abednego, whoever their gods are. So they pray first. Maybe that conversation, they know the situation that before they serve the food, they're going to pray, offer it to their gods, and give it to the people. So that these people who are being manipulated and trained in their thinking will realize, oh, so this is offered to their God. So as I eat it, I'm acknowledging that this is the real God. So Daniel said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to defile myself. And I'm not going to drink also the drink that's offered to their God. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. I realized the reason why Daniel was able to do this I believe that he remembered Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. This was what Moses told the Israelites. 
and they were to pass it on from one generation to the next generation and the next generation until it came to Daniel and his friends. They remembered the central passage of the first five books of the Bible. This is the central passage. You know why this is the central passage? Because this is the key for the Israelites to be able to obey all the commandments. If they don't have Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, they're not going to obey the commandments. What's Deuteronomy 6 verse 5? Let's read that together. You shall what? Love the Lord your God with all, all your heart, soul, strength. If you love the Lord your God with all, you will obey. If you love someone, you don't want to hurt that person. If you're committed completely, you love your spouse, you love your children, you will give your all. I believe they also remember Joshua 1 verse 8. And what is that? That they are to meditate on the word of the law. Book of the law, you are uh, not to depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it how often? Day and night. So they remember this is the word of God. I need to memorize. I need to study. I need to put it in my heart, in my head, so that I will not flee from it. I will not compromise. So that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. You know what I realize? Our convictions are formed by what is constantly absorbed by our mind. So if we keep filling our minds with worldly stuff, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna do worldly things. If you keep filling your mind, reading books that are very sensual, guess what? You're gonna be addicted to sex. If you keep feeling, feeding your mind with certain things that are not glorifying to God, then that's what you're gonna do. Imagine if we fill our minds and our hearts with God's word on a regular basis. If it is on our hearts and minds constantly, guess what? Our convictions will be connected to this. Look at how to develop godly convictions. And there's no secret if you wanna develop godly convictions. These things that I'm gonna so show, these are the basics. For example, look at this. Pray and spend time with the Lord daily. I haven't seen anyone who grew in the Lord committed to God without praying and spending time with the Lord daily. You have to do that. There's no other way. That's why David was praying every day. That's why Daniel was praying three times a day. That's why Joshua meditated on God's word day and night. Every single person that God mightily used, they were spending time with the Lord. That's why Moses was a friend of God. Read God's word daily. Let me give you a secret. You will finish reading the entire Bible by reading three chapters a day. I promise you, three chapters a day, mathematically speaking, I don't remember the computation there, but three chapters a day, you will be able to finish reading the entire Bible. Read God's Word daily, even if nakakatamad or you don't feel like doing it. Memorize Bible verses, that's why we have Bible verses that are every, weekly Bible verses to memorize. And then weekly accountability through a discipleship group. I haven't seen anyone grow spiritually strong without a small group that he's committed to. I know a lot of people are saying, well, I'm part of the church. Yes, that's important. That's weekly corporate worship. That's number five. Weekly corporate worship, whether Saturday night service or Sunday service. But discipleship group is a different thing because you can't be accountable here. I'm not gonna ask, okay, every single one of you, you share your struggles. We're gonna finish after five days if all of you will share your struggles. But the accountability the discipleship group helps you grow, helps you be, can check on you, what's happening in your life, what's happening and how you're responding to challenges. These five things are very basic. 
If some of you are not doing one of these things, then I encourage you, you have to rethink. Because if you want to become a change maker, you need to develop godly convictions. What are your convictions in life? And how sure are you that it's the right one? Because every single person in this world, they have convictions. When it comes to sex, they have convictions. When it comes to cheating, they have convictions. When it comes to paying taxes, they have convictions. When it comes to immorality, adultery, whatever that is, they have convictions. When it comes to gender, in every major issue, they have convictions. And how sure are you that your conviction is right and it's connected to God's Word? Because here's what I realize about conviction. Look at this chart, and I, I love this chart. Your conviction has a reason. Every conviction that I know has a reason. For example, when you ask someone, why is your conviction about sex just, you know, just sex even if I'm not yet married? I'm okay with that. You know, when I ask people why that's their conviction, everybody's doing it. Eh? I mean, there's nothing wrong. As long as I'm protected, I'm safe, I, I think I'm okay. And every reason is anchored on a hope. Meaning to say, umaasa ka, that what your reasons are, it's gonna be right eventually. Meaning to say, let's say your conviction is okay, I'm doing this, I know it's, not, it's against God, but I'm having fun, eh? I'm enjoying this lifestyle, so I hope that by enjoying this lifestyle, it will work out well in the end. But here's the, the important thing. Do you know that every conviction, for that conviction to be effective, for the reason to be valid, and for your hope to be certain, the foundation should be strong, should be solid. You know why I believe in the principles of the Bible? Because a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this. Jesus died, He rose again. Therefore, whatever He says in this Word is true. If He says that sex is after marriage, when you're married already, that's the real deal. If He, say, he says that there's only man and woman, that's the truth. If he says that you shouldn't cheat, you shouldn't gossip, you shouldn't slander anyone, you should pay the right amount of taxes, you should be faithful to your spouse, children obey your parents, all those Bible principles are real, are right, no matter how difficult it is, because Jesus died and rose again. What's your foundation if you're following worldly standards? Because everybody's doing it? Because it seems it's working to that you know, that influencer, he's, she's living that kind of lifestyle. It seems to work for her. Maybe I'll follow that and it's going to work for me. And she's a good person. We're not saying that the people who are worldly are all bad people. But in God's standards, they're not pleasing to Him. And that's why our message is be a change maker with a strong heart. We have a solid foundation. Can we give a clap offering to our Lord that He died? He rose again. I keep coming back to that truth. Second is you're considerate. Now, what's the connection of being considerate to others when it comes to having a strong heart? I realize when you have a strong conviction, let's say about God, about His Word, there's a tendency for us to become proud and for us to be combative, right? And as a result of that, we hurt others, we judge others, we condemn others. Instead of being gracious, which God has been gracious to us, instead of being polite, being loving, look at what Daniel did and his friends. When, when you say you have a strong heart, it's a heart that is humble and a heart that is wise. Meaning to say, yes, there are pressures around, but you don't fight them. You know how to have healthy conversations with them. You know what's the loving way. You know how to become a salt and a light to these people. You're humble and you're wise. Look at what happened to Daniel. So Daniel made up his mind. That's chapter 1, verse 8. 
And then, instead of telling the, the soldier or the, the general, you know, what you're doing is wrong, we're not going to do that, we're not going to obey you. Even if we are, get hungry and die, we're not going to eat. He didn't do that. He sought permission. So I believe he was praying. Four of them were praying. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And God revealed to them, this is what you're going to do. And the good news is, look at verse 9. The good news is God was the one who granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander and the officials. In other words, God was also working in the heart of those soldiers, right? So this is what's happening here. And look at the next verse. So the commander said to, the, to Daniel, Daniel, you know, I'm afraid. I'm scared. If I give you a different food, the food that you like, I, and then I, the, the general, the king would see your faces looking gaunt, looking thin, looking weak, and compared to the other young people who were there, you, may, you would make my, me forfeit my head to the king. I'm going to die. So that's a legit reason. So he was honest. He wasn't fighting. Daniel wasn't fighting the officials. He was very respectful, very considerate, and very humble in his approach. And he understood what the reason was. So look at his faith. Look at the next part. Again, wisdom from the Lord. Please put your servants to the test for 10 days. And what's the test? Let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Now, who among you tried eating vegetables and drinking water for 10 days? Can you raise your hand? Anybody? Wow, I'm so proud of you because I, I can never do that, okay? That's hard. And usually when you eat vegetables and you drink water for 10 days, will you lose weight or will you gain weight? Of course, you're going to lose weight. But let's look at what happened afterwards, okay? I know some of you know the story already. And then Daniel said, let uh, uh, our appearance be examined in your presence. Test us. Ten days. Let's see if we get thin, if we, get, if we look weak, we look unpleasant, and then deal with your servants according to what you see. Then we will submit. Again, wisdom from God. You know, we need God's wisdom to counter worldly wisdom. Because I really believe there are, there's this false wisdom that the world keeps on telling us. Here are some examples of worldly wisdom that we hear a lot. Everybody's doing it. That's one example. Everybody's doing it. My friends are doing it. If I don't do it, I'm not in. A lot of young people are pressured from that. I'm not that bad compared to others, right? So let's say you're doing certain bad things, and people started rebuking you. I hear this even from Christians. Grabe ka naman. I'm not that bad, ah. My classmates, they cheated all the, in all the exams. Ako, I cheated only in one exam. I'm good, all right? Compared to them. But that's not the point. The point is, am I pleasing to God? We shouldn't compare ourselves to other people. We should ask ourselves, is this what you want, Lord? The problem with number two, it's like we're trying to feel good, even though in God's standard, it's not. And yes, we can feel good, but God is still not pleased. Another worldly wisdom is this. I know what's best for me. I'm me. I know who I am. More than any other person in this world, I know who I am. Because this is me. A lot of influencers would say that. A lot of athletes would say that. Even celebrities would say that. Not all, but a lot of them would say that. This is me. I know what I want. I know what's best for me. And it's connected to number four. I feel this is going to work. I feel that this is right. I feel that whatever is happening in my life, as long as I feel it, I'm going to do it. I know it's going to work. It's based on feelings. And another one is number five. This is very popular in the Western countries, even in the Philippines. Well, this is my right. 
I'm the first one in this parking spot. But you're not a car, you're there. I don't care. The car is coming. <laughs> this is my right. I was the first one in this line. I paid for this. Look at what wisdom is all about. In James chapter 1, verse 5, If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously, without reproach, and it will be given to him. God wants to give you wisdom, but we need to ask. The problem is when we ask and God reveals the wisdom and we don't like the approach or what God wants us to do, we tell God, Lord, I don't think that's wise. Because if I do that, I may lose certain things. I may lose money, I may lose this, I may lose this person, I may lose my face, whatever that is. So we feel like it's not wisdom. That's why we need to step in faith. Okay, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, that's the wisdom from you, I'm going to adhere to it. And look at another description of wisdom in James chapter 3. Because there's two types of wisdom, the worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. Here's the worldly wisdom. The worldly wisdom is earthly, it's natural, it's demonic. What's the common denominator? What's the description of that? Verse 16, where there is jealousy, where there is selfish ambition, where there is disorder, every evil thing, that's worldly wisdom. The problem is we hide that. We won't tell people, you know the reason why I'm making this decision? Because I'm proud. Would you ever do that to your family members? Would you ever become completely honest? You know why I'm doing this? I'm actually manipulating you so you do what I want. Nobody would ever admit that. But it takes a lot of humility to talk to God and tell God, Lord, I know my problem. I'm trying to manipulate things because I'm jealous. I'm selfish. I'm proud. What's godly wisdom? The opposite. Look at the next one. Look at this verse in verse 17 to 18. But wisdom from above is first what? Pure. You don't manipulate. It's from above. It's, it, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's from above. It's pure. It's peace-loving. It's gentle. It's reasonable. What else? Full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, free of hypocrisy, fruit of righteousness sown in peace by those who make what? Peace. It's peaceable. You don't fight and hurt other people because you have a strong conviction. That's why, have you ever noticed in the Scripture, even though they were being persecuted, they respond in love. Yes, they complain in a godly way, Yes, they appeal in a godly way. That's why when I preach before here, when it comes to submitting to authorities, I know certain people, they don't appreciate that. You know why they, they don't appreciate sometimes when you submit to, uh, to other people, to authorities? Because when we exercise this, for example, you exercise peace-loving. You exercise being merciful, being gentle. I hear this phrase a lot. Eh, kung masyado kang mabait, ikaw yung maabuse. Right? In English, if you keep becoming, you know, kind, you're, if you're so loving, you're always doing what is good, people will abuse you. On the contrary, yes, you might feel abused because you're loving, but I believe God is on your side and He's going to protect you. Look at this statement. The world would like us to defend our rights. That's the common denominator now whatever it takes. Whether you hurt someone, you cheat, you do whatever you want, that's what the world is saying, right? Whatever it takes, just fight for it. But God desires that we do what is right in His eyes. It may involve defending our rights, but in a different way. It may involve, okay, protecting yourself, but in a different and loving approach. And the good news is He will take care of our rights. Look at the examples that we have. Daniel, David, 
Gideon, those characters that we've been talking, we see in the scripture, they were maltreated by other people. They were persecuted by others, but they responded in love. They never disobeyed the Lord in terms of, you know, fighting other people. They were tempted, don't get me wrong, but they submitted to God's will and they were respectful. That's wisdom from the Lord. What's our message again? Be a change maker with a strong heart. So what does a strong heart look like? It has conviction. It's considerate and that's courage. Meaning to say when the going gets tough, I'm going to obey. Obey God no matter what the cost and leave the results to Him. Now look at Daniel. He said to the general, please test your servant for 10 days. What happened after 10 days? Look at verse 15. Let's read this together because this is amazing. Look at verse 15. At the end of 10 days, their appearance him. Oh, they're good looking and they were? Ano kinain nila? Vegetables and drink drank water. I don't know of any vegetable that when you eat after 10 days, you're going to get fat. Somebody told me, laing yun. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that vegetable is that when you eat it, Wait, tumaba ako. <laughs> There's no vegetable like that. Sana makakita tayo ng vegetable. But the Hebrew word is really plump. That's the meaning. They really got gain weight. And they were better than the other young people who were there. And at the end of 10 days, look at the blessing to them. Huh? The, at the end of the days of the evaluation after three years, they were presented to King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them. And look at the description of the king. He told Ashpenaz and the other generals, I haven't seen any like Daniel, Shad, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Not one was found like them. And the king said, I want them to be part of my personal service. And when he further evaluated, look at verse 20. As a matter of, as, as for every matter of expertise and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them how much better? Ten times better than any of the current Soothsayer priests, conjurers who were in all his realm. Daniel wasn't afraid if he's going to lose his life. In fact, in another chapter, look at another chapter. Then Daniel began distinguishing himself. This is chapter 6. I'm just going to go through this quickly. In Daniel chapter 6, he distinguished himself as one of the best. In fact, the king, it was already the Persian Empire. The Persian king Darius wanted him to be on top, the head over the entire kingdom. And the others were jealous. So they were discussing. How can we put this Daniel down, down and, you know, just get rid of him? We can't find anything bad about him. That's integrity. Unless it's about his God. So let's create a law that will, you know, put him down and kill him. So what's the law? They went to the king and they told the king, King Darius, you know, you are really God, King Darius. Let's make a law, King Darius. What's the law? So King Darius asked, the law is in the next 30 days, Everybody should pray to you because you're like God. And anyone who will pray to any God or any person besides you for 30 days, what's going to happen? Let's throw them to the lions then. So the king said, okay, let's do this. And they found Daniel in verse 10. Even though the law was there, look at his conviction. He had a strong heart. I'm not going to give in. I'm going to be on my knees three times a day. Just like before, I'm going to pray to God. And of course, they saw him praying. So King Darius said, okay, bring Daniel, throw him to the lion's den. Of course, 
King Darius was sad because he really wanted Daniel to be in charge. He saw how Daniel was effective. But the law was there. So they threw Daniel to the lion's den. Then what happened? The next day, the king got up. He went to where the, the, the den was, and he called Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you continually serve been able to rescue you? We know the story. What happened to the story? Verse 21 to 22, O king, live forever. God shut the mouths of the lions because God was on Daniel's side. Do you know the greatest blessing here? Let's skip to verse 26. After seeing this, you know the greatest blessing? Look at verse 26. This is what King Darius realized. This God that Daniel is worshiping is real. I now issue a decree that in all the realm of my kingdom, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Can we applaud our God for His power? Grabe. God, it's just amazing how He protected Daniel and how He became a change maker. What's our message again? Be a change maker with a strong heart. What does a strong heart look like? That's conviction, it's considerate, and there's courage. I'm going to end with this story. You know, when I, after I graduated from college, one, one of my convictions when I was still studying, of course, I, be, I became a Christian at the age of 13. I was very committed to Jesus. One of my convictions is not to enter a romantic relationship while still studying. So I was able to fulfill that. After I graduated, I was so excited, I entered a relationship with someone who is still a student. So it was because I like this girl, and I know she was still a student, but I wanted to be in a relationship already. And the problem was we were compromising. We didn't go all out and do, did sexual immorality, but it was leading there. And I know God wasn't pleased. My parents did, did, did not give their blessing for me to be in a relationship. Her parents also did not give their, blessing, give, their, give their blessing for us to be in a relationship. So we were hiding. Whenever we go on dates, we go to places where I know there will be the people that I know will not be there. To the malls that are, you know, not, not, not a lot of people go to. So we watch a movie there, we go on dates there, we do things that are not pleasing to God. And I know God was telling me, Marty, stop that na. That's not pleasing to me. And you know what I, all, I keep on telling the Lord? Lord, sige na, I'm going to make this work. You know that prayer na, Lord, sige na. I know I'm wrong, but please, please forgive me. And please just help us make this work. Christian naman siya. I mean, she's a Christian. I was also a Christian. I was already serving the Lord, not yet with CCF. I was already serving the Lord, but I know it was wrong. And I keep, you know, having this conversation, appealing to God, Lord, please. So for several months, almost more than a year, we were doing this, doing these compromises and always talking to God, please, Lord, I know it's going to work. I'll marry her eventually, Lord God. I'll make this ride. I'm not going to do any of those bad things anymore, but then I'm going to fail. It was a roller coaster ride. Sometimes we're okay, me and that girl, and other times we're not. And it was up and down, up and down, until one day, we both decided, after talking, we both decided we have to stop this. Because the conviction was so strong, the burden was so strong. We have to stop this. We have to break off the relationship because God is not pleased. We know His Word. We taught His Word to our disciples. So we said we shouldn't do this anymore. So we cut off the relationship, but guess what? I was so sad. I missed her already after several days. So after several weeks, I couldn't help it. 
I started calling her. Hey, can we meet again? Can we meet? I miss you already. Can I, can I see you? Can, I, can we pray together? <laughs> right? So all of those godly stuff, but we, I know if we meet again, we're going to do certain things that doesn't please the Lord. So I said to her, can we meet? I'm going to pick you up somewhere that nobody, is, you know, nobody see, will see us. I'm going to pick you up there. Just wait for me. So I started driving my car, going there, and I tell you, the burden and conviction of God while I was driving was so strong. It's as if God was telling me, Bumalik ka na, turn around. No, Lord, kaya to magpipray lang kami. Okay? This is gonna work. And God was telling me, turn around, turn around. Again, after several minutes of driving, halfway through, I decided to, put, uh, to just go to the side. So I slowed down. I put the car to the side. I prayed. I asked God, Lord, it's just hard. I'm really struggling. I know this is not right. And I know I need to turn back. So I texted the girl. I said, I'm so sorry for asking you again to meet you. We shouldn't do this anymore. So I turned around. After I turned around, I was in pain emotionally. But there was peace. It's as if God was embracing me, telling me, I'm with you. You know, if I didn't do that, this picture right here wouldn't happen. If I compromise, I don't think this will happen. I don't think I would be married to a wonderful woman who's serving with me in CCF. She's the first campus missionary of CCF. I don't think I will have four wonderful kids. Yes, let's give glory to God. If I compromise, I don't think what I'm doing right now will ever happen. That's why this is my message to all of us. Because do you know what? Obeying God is absolutely worth it. And I don't know what's happening in your life. I know majority of us, maybe we're overcoming the struggles that we have. That's good, praise God, keep on making that stand. But I know some of you, you have compromises. You know already what those things are. You know that you need to stop. You know that you need to let go. And yes, I know you have reasons, but please, that's why we have this message to show to you that obeying God is absolutely worth it. And you know why it's absolutely worth it? Because Jesus gave His life. He died for your sins. You can never, ever experience that kind of love except in and through Him. That's why we're obeying Him. And that's my encouragement to all of us. If there's something that God wants you to let go, God wants you to stop doing, please step in faith, have a strong heart, and become the change maker that God wants you to be. What's our message again? Be a change maker with a strong heart. Can we bow our heads? Let me pray for you. I want to pray for two specific groups of people here this, today. For the first group of people that I want to pray for, I know for some of us here, we don't have that relationship with Jesus. We know Jesus in the head. We grew up in a Christian nation, but we don't love Jesus with all our heart. He's not yet your Lord and Savior. So if that's you, and God is speaking to you right now, the first step to have a strong heart is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can pray something like this. Tell Jesus, Jesus, thank you for dying at the cross for my sins. Today, Jesus, I repent from my sins. I turn to you. I receive you, accept you in my heart as my Lord and Savior. From now on, I commit to follow you. 
Thank you for the gift of eternal life. And thank you for your love. For the second group of people that I want to pray for, Lord, a lot of us here, we're struggling. All of us are struggling. And maybe some of us, you're telling us to stop doing certain things. Whatever that thing is. Maybe to let go of something. And all of us, we have reasons. We have struggles internally in our hearts. And it's giving us a hard time to let go. Please, God, give us the strength. Give us the peace. Give us your power. Holy Spirit, without you, we cannot become victorious over these things. But we know if we don't release, surrender, then we're going to miss out on a lot. We don't want to do that. So Lord, right now, we surrender all of these struggles to you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you're the God of many chances. We worship you and honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all.